Good morning, First Church family. It is so good to be together this morning. And we just want to, uh, today is Grad Sunday. We just want to celebrate our 2020 grads and uh, just honor them and celebrate them in this unique time. Uh, It's going to look a little different this morning, but we are so excited to be able to celebrate them. Uh, And they just, uh, these students, it's been so fun to get to know them uh, over the last seven years to uh, hear their stories, encourage them. Uh, I just think of the winter weekends together, the mission trips, the the small group conversations, just the one-on-one discussions and just uh, trying to learn from them, stretch them, grow them. Uh, it's just, uh, it's been an honor, uh, graduates, to be uh, your student pastor. Uh, it's been a, a joy and a pleasure. And uh, you guys, you have a special place in my heart. And, uh, and so we just want to celebrate them today. Uh, we know uh, that this isn't the way they wanted to finish the end of their year. Like many of you, this isn't ideal for you, but we want to make the most of it. And, uh, and this is such a key moment in their lives. And so as they transition, uh, we've got seniors that are going off and doing uh, a a myriad of things. This is the most diverse uh, group of graduates that we've ever had. We've got kids going into the military. We've got students going into uh, real estate. We've got students uh, going off to college or, um, you know, going to be a full-time firefighter. It's just, it's awesome to see where the Lord is taking them. And so we want to cheer them on, we want to celebrate them, but we also, we don't want to leave them, especially in the midst of this time. We want to surround them now more than ever. Uh, the, this is a great time in the church where we can come around these seniors and just love on them over this next year. And so uh, if you're listening right now, if you're participating in this, we want you to actively engage in this. We want, we want to surround these seniors in prayer and uh, for the next year. I want to challenge you guys to stop this video and I want you to uh, pull out your phone or, or get on email and I want you to email me at luke at firstchurchconnect.com uh, and I want you to send me an email of some seniors that you're willing to pray for over this next year. Uh, we just want to cover them in prayer and uh, wh- whatever they're going to, we want to be there for them. Uh, just make sure that we are uh, loving them well during this transition and during this season. And so uh, as I pray for these graduates, I want you to uh, step up and take the challenge of being willing to pray for them over this next year. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to gather together even when uh, we're in separate places. Uh, Lord, we celebrate you. We want to just worship you in all that we do. Lord, we thank you so much for how much you love us. And you are still moving even when we can't meet inside a church building. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for these seniors, Lord. We are excited. We are, this, is, this is such an incredible season of their life, Lord. Uh, they, the, the opportunities are endless moving forward. Lord, we just pray that as they go, Lord, that they would seek you in all that they do. They would... Uh, be stretched, Lord, that they would uh, continue on that foundation that they've built and following you. And so, Lord, we just pray for this morning that they would feel honored and celebrated, Lord, that they would feel loved, Lord, and over this next year, these graduates uh, would just know that their their church has their back, whether they're uh, out of state or whether they're staying in town. Uh, Lord, we love you and we worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Habakkuk 3, verse 17 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. We've seen that in the testimony of our seniors who were celebrating this morning. When things haven't gone exactly how they had planned, yet they are rejoicing in the Lord. They are being joyful in God, my Savior. And so, Father, I pray the same for us this morning. I pray that as we come into this place, whether on the hilltop or from the valley, Lord, I pray that your praise will be on our lips and that we will recognize that through all things, we will give you praise. Help us in our praise this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out You're working all things out yes I will lift you high in the
Well, good morning again, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on this special graduation Sunday. I want to congratulate all the graduates and what a blessing they are to their family and, of course, to our church as well. We're just thankful for them today. As many of you know, we're making our plans and we're aiming towards May the 31st being our first in-person gathering And so we're leading up to that. So the next couple of weeks, we'll be continuing our remote uh, gathering here online. But on May 31st, we're going to be gathering in the building. Check, make sure you check back for details over these next couple of weeks about how we're going to re-engage. That reminds me that on the 31st, when we have in-person gathering, we're still going to be online. I spoke to you several weeks ago about launching a new go-live ministry where we'll have a digital presence and we'll be able to have our services uh, online live. And so we still are looking for folks that would like to be a part of that ministry. If you have that kind of either an interest or that kind of gifting with computer skills and other kinds of uh, special talents that would help you in that arena, we'd love for you to maybe consider that. Also, if we're just looking for folks that would like to maybe run a camera or however you'd like to participate in this new ministry that we're going to be launching on May 31st, we would love for you to contact Holly, Holly Parks, our worship pastor, Holly at firstchurchconnect.com. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your the good news of the gospel today, Lord. We bow before you and we praise you and we worship you because, Lord, you're good all the time. Lord, in this life, there are many ups and downs. And in a fallen world, Lord, there's tragedy and sickness. And, Father, we need you. We need your redemption. We need your, your, your touch, Lord. And, Father, we're praying for those among us who are sick, who are maybe struggling at home. I pray, Father, that you would continue to show your power through the strength of your Holy Spirit to heal. Father, we again pray for those who are close uh, to always taking the risk to be around this virus, Lord. I just pray for those who are first responders as well as those in our medical field and the people that work around hospitals, that you would bless every effort for them to minister and to save lives. Father, we pray for our community leaders. We pray, Lord, for our country's leaders, that you give them wisdom and the ability to lead well. Father, we pray against the schemes of the evil one to divide, Uh, to bring death and destruction. Father, we pray for your wisdom and we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Now today, Lord, as we give, we pray, Lord, that you would bless every gift. And Lord, for the rest of our time together, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us your ways. And thank you for the ability for us to praise you and to know you more. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Many years ago, after I gave my life to Christ, I soon after sensed a call to ministry, and I talked to my pastor, and I talked to other people about that, and they helped direct me, even directing me towards my college choice. And I majored in Christian studies, sensing a call into ministry. And so I desired that. And even in college, I had the opportunity to preach and to speak at youth conventions or maybe at churches. I've preached at many small churches, all peppered all over the state of West Virginia and even Pennsylvania. And and I, I really loved being in the ministry. But as I graduated from college, I really had an interest in, in thinking bigger. And so I moved to Nashville, and I was involved in the Christian music business for a couple of years. And I learned a lot there, and I was definitely involved in the church, but I wasn't directly involved in my own preaching or teaching ministry. And so after a couple of years of that, I met this beautiful young woman. Her name is Sherry, and I we... We got married, and we moved up here to Indiana, and I felt directionally that we would get married, and and I would be in ministry, but time went by, and because I wasn't working for a church in Nashville, it was a little hard for me to find a church that was maybe willing to take a risk on this guy, didn't know me, and I took uh, took a job in the marketplace, and For a couple of years, I was doing that, but the whole time wanting to be in ministry. And it became very frustrating because I felt like I was wanting to be in ministry, that God had called me to be in ministry. But I don't know if there were many people on the planet that thought I was. And so uh, my wife, my new bride, she supported me so much. Now, I had learned this creativity thing in Nashville. That was good for me. And now, as a new uh, husband and a father of a daughter, we had Victoria after uh, we were married. We'd been married for a couple of years. And I really wanted to be in ministry. And I, Sherry was very supportive. She was like, hey, where you go, I'll go. Here we go. And I was at a place where I was struggling because I wanted to be in ministry and wanting to do what God called me to do and even sensing sometimes that a little guilt like, hey, man, I should have just gone to seminary. But, you know, God taught me a lot through that period. He taught me, first of all, responsibility. And then another thing he taught me in the middle of all that and he helped Sherry and I when we were first married. We Sometimes ministry can be life in a fishbowl. Well, you know, it wasn't like that. It was for us, we were able to establish our marriage, and Victoria was then born. And we were able to get a start without five or 600 people staring at us. It was a mixed blessing. But you know what's very hard and difficult is when you believe God has a call in your life, and you're the only one that maybe feels that way. So today, as we get together, I think about our college graduates and our high school graduates. And I think about this period of transition of looking ahead and wanting to live a life that's pleasing to God. I learned through that that if I can get through it, 
If I am going to get to it, I'm going to have to go do it. If I'm going to get through this period in my life, if I'm going to get to it, which is the goal of what God's called me to, I'm just going to have to go do it. And today, I want to encourage you, you've got to make your decisions. It's something that uh, a guy named John Maxwell said. He said, you have to make your decisions and you have to manage your life to those decisions. You can't wait, especially to you who are students, you can't wait till the heat of the battle or the heat of the moment to make the decisions on where your boundaries are going to be. You've got to decide what kind of a person you're going to be. And you have to make these decisions. It's the law of the path. You can't wait and figure out later where your moral boundaries are. When I decided to marry Sherry, when I stood at that altar, I made some concrete decisions. And then I managed my life to that decision, those covenants that I made. So if you wonder how you're going to get through it, how is it that I'm going to, to get to it, that goal of what I'm going to do out of college or high school? Uh, here's how you're not going to do it, okay? Here's a couple of things. The first thing is you're not going to do it on your own. Uh, Alex Haley, the popular author of the book Roots and then the miniseries that followed, he has a picture in his office, and it's a picture of a turtle on a fence post. And the reason that he put it there was that he realized every time he saw that picture, or when you see a turtle on a fence post, that turtle didn't get there on their own. And it was a reminder to him that he would not be where he is unless others would have helped him. Now, there's a couple of lessons out of that. One is he needed other people. And you realize that I stand here today on the shoulders of folks like George Reeser and Jim Martin, men like Bob Yaberg in my life, Dale Craycraft, people who have spoken into my life. I didn't get here by myself. You won't either. You'll never get to it or through it on your own. Another truth about not being able to do it, how you're not going to succeed, is to take the easy way out. My coach used to say, hey, if everybody's doing it, you just join in. Uh, You're not going to really get anywhere. Uh, That's true. You're not going to get through it or to your goal by just taking the easy way out. And another thing is this. You're not going to get there by giving up. You know, you, 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 my dad used to say to me, John, can't never did a thing. And if you're just going to give up and just say, I can't do it, then you're not going to get through it and you're not going to get to it. So how do you do it? So I, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to continue in this timeless series. And I know that I'm I want to address our high school graduates. I also want to address our college graduates and those of you in transition. But it applies to you who are moms and dads, even grandparents, even those of you in elementary school. I want to encourage you today with this story. Now, the story of Nehemiah is set in 444 B.C. And 
Nehemiah is in exile and he has a burden for the city and he hears how terrible things are in Jerusalem. And this is under the reign in Persia of King Artaxerxes. And so Nehemiah gets this burden and King Artaxerxes is in control. So he, King Artaxerxes, is in Persia and then Nehemiah is a Jewish man, and he says to the king, uh, O king, and he prays this big prayer before he goes and sees King Artaxerxes. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, we read this in verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. So what has happened is he has heard that Jerusalem is and its its walls and it, the gates have been burned down and the walls have been destroyed. And the city is just in ruin. And he says, for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then here is Nehemiah's prayer. Lord, the God of heaven and the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, the people of God. He's praying on behalf of the people of God. And I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And so he comes to the Lord and says, Lord, you are great, and we have fallen short. And then in verse 11, we read, Lord, he finishes his prayer, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. And then he asked God something very specific in this prayer. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. It is King Artaxerxes. He says, Lord, help me approach the king. I want to talk to you today about a few things, that a few key takeaways in Nehemiah's life. And the first one is this, and I want this to be for you and apply it to your life too. Some things we can learn from Nehemiah. And that's the first thing. God has a call on my life. For you graduates, I want you to be sure of this. For you moms and dads, I also want you to be sure of this. That God has a purpose for your life. I've got a call on my life. There is this great distress over the ruin of the city. But there's also the proof of God's great power. It goes from a big mess to great distress we see in Nehemiah to God's success at the end of this story. And it started with Nehemiah's walk with God. Now, in this book, there are no, in this story, there is no miracles. I look here, I mean, they don't wake up one morning and part of the wall is complete and God just did it for them. Uh, you know, there's not any lightning that strikes and all at once the stones are right in the right place. Uh, there, is, there are no earthquakes. There is nothing supernatural in this whole story. There is nothing but just men and women, the people of God that knew in their hearts that they, something needed to be done. And he began with prayer. 
It's what we've talked about. Even the last few weeks, turn to God first and pray. The people of God pray. And he is a man who walks with God. And so he first prays. And if you look at chapter 2, you'll see these four components. He waits for the right time. He prays again. Then he shares. And then he prepares. Hey, listen to me. High school, college, graduates, those of you who are younger, that's a good outline. Wait, you know, there's very few people who are patient anymore to allow God time to line up everything just right, whether it's opportunities or whether it's continued preparation for you. Wait. And then we see that he prays again. Prayerlessness is the mark of unbelief. Prayer will all this is what's true. Prayer should always be our first response, not our last resort. And I encourage you, if if you've got a call in your life to pray, to walk with God and continue to pray. Because prayer will change you before it changes the situation. And that's very important. And then he shares. He goes, and this is what we see in chapter 2, he shares a vision. He, may, he, he makes his mess, his message, and he goes to the people. And so Nehemiah calls all the people together. This is in chapter 2. And all the people from the surrounding region, and he casts an unbelievably compelling vision in verse 17. He says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in as the people of God. You see the rubble. You see the gates all burned and everything. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And so he shares this vision and then he prepares. He prepares for what they're about to do. I want to encourage you not to grow weary in preparing yourself. Tim Elmore talks about how an iceberg, when you look at the totality of an iceberg, only 10% is above the surface. Only 10% of an iceberg can be seen. And the same is true in your life. God has a call in your life. And it's important that you wait and you pray and you continue to have that vision from God. But you also have to prepare And continue to allow God to work those things out in your life. And many times he's working on the 90% that nobody sees. I want to encourage you to be a person. Well, whenever you see some progress, it always prompts opposition. Anytime you want to make a difference for God, when you step up and you walk with God, that progress will always prompt opposition. And so in chapter 4, is broken up like this. First of all, they get going on this wall, and people in the surrounding area, they mock them in verses 1 through 6. They threaten them in verses 7 through 9. And then in verses 10, all the way till 23, they just are doing, they're just surrounded by fear and people being afraid and all of this stuff. So we read in verse 16, from that day on, Half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. And the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. And those who carried materials did their work with one hand, 
and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who uh, sounded the trumpet stayed with me. I got a concrete trial over here in this hand and I got a sword in this hand. Here's what I want you to remember today. Not only does God have a call in your life, but God wants me to build and to battle. To continue to build what he's called me to and also to battle. I got to build and battle in my life. Uh, So many times you have haters in your life and they want to pull you down. And it's because God, when you have a call in your life, you're trying to live at a higher level. And haters are always going to want to pull you down. They're not going to want to see you, see that come true. Uh, I want to encourage you. They're out to burst your bubble. And that's what they were trying to do here. They were trying to threaten and they mock. Have you ever been mocked? Have you ever been threatened? I have inside ministry. I have been mocked for the things I've tried to do for God. I've been threatened that it's not the right thing. I've been told my, my motives are and all kinds of things. When you step up for God, don't be surprised. When you get some progress, you're going to get some opposition. But you've got to learn how to build and battle. And it's both. If it's, if it's the trial over here and it's the, it's the sword over here, This is not going to build the wall, and this is not going to protect me. So sometimes it's both. we got to learn. The enemy is a voice of intimidation, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's both. And I want to encourage you with something I remember on 9-11. I'll never forget that. Uh, an interview with Rudy Giuliani, who was in the midst of the collapse of the towers. And he dashed, he and some of the uh, officers of the fire department were running away from this collapsing buildings. And they dove into and just the complete chaos that was happening. And Giuliani dives into this little restaurant to try to get their breath And he remembered what his dad said. His dad said, always be the calmest person in the room. So many times when there is a battle going on, we get all worked up. But we can't be so worked up that we're not building. And I want to encourage you, when you mess with God's children, God gets involved. And we've just got to keep building and we've got to keep battling. They had, they had a, a, their tools in one hand and they had a sword in the other. Build and battle. And so they go ahead. None of those threats come true. They keep doing. They're making record time. These walls are going up. Everything is going great. And in chapter 6, verse 2, Sanballat, some of these guys that had already kind of threatened them and mocked them and are trying to cast fear over them, They sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, says Nehemiah. So I sent them a messenger to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. 
Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? And four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. God's got a call in your life. you got to build and battle. And then you've got to also sometimes draw a line and say, I'm not coming off of this wall. I can't stop. I won't stop. You've got to have some holy stubbornness that's developed in your life. Now, you've got to be building and battling for the right things. But there's got to be a development of a stick to a holy stubbornness that develops you. And they say, oh, let's have lunch. Come on down. Let's have breakfast, maybe coffee. Maybe we can have some dinner. And I want to encourage you. You're going to get all kinds of these sidetrack invitations. I want to remind you that there are some things in your life. There is, are walls in your life where you're building that you need to climb up on that wall. And you need to make sure you complete whatever that is. And whatever that thing that God has given you. And you have to know in your heart and you have to need to you have to do it and you need to say what Nehemiah says here and and, and you you whatever it is right here in that spot that situation that relationship in your work in that part of your life in that part of your profession i am doing a great work and i cannot come down and here they come up and and they they come up four times and his response is the same I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Did you know there are some things in your life? And there are things in my life that if we do not complete them, if we do not focus on them, if we do not deal with them, then they have the potential to ruin our lives. I think about even for me. My physical body. I have to pay attention to my physical body. I heard a pastor one time say this. I've never seen anybody with a spiritual ministry without a physical body. You might say, oh, that's, that's, not, church. that's not church stuff. That's not spiritual stuff. You know what? It's important. You know, you got to pay attention to these things. Maybe it's a marriage. You know, I mentioned earlier that when I made my covenant with my wife, Sherry, you know, i got to stay on that wall. I'm not letting somebody else talk me off of that. I made a commitment to my wife. I'm going to build that wall. I'm not going to let somebody call me off of that. I can't stop. I won't stop. I'm not letting other people influence me and tell me what it's going to be. I've made my decisions. Maybe it's in your parenting. Over the years, there's so many mundane tasks that you just keep building. And let me tell you, some of these parents, even who have graduates, they've had to battle too. They're praying for their kids. And you pray and you build and you say and you pray and you say and you pray. And you keep doing the things as your parent. I'm not coming off this wall. I'm responsible. This is a primary wall for me in my life. Well, some of you who may be college students or high school students, you're trying to build and battle. And you've got to determine in your life you're not going to come off that wall. You've got to be able to say, you know, you're cute and all, but uh, I'm not coming off the wall for you. 
I'm going to keep my purity. You've got to be able to say to other guys, you know, it's a good opportunity, but I'm not coming down off that wall. I, I'd love to hang out with you guys, but I'm not coming off the wall. So the book of Nehemiah, his story tells us that eventually they finished the wall. And here is how the author says it in chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th month of Elul in 52 days. 52 days is amazing what they did. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. It wasn't the entire ancient city of Jerusalem, but, it's a, but it was a smaller section of Jerusalem. Still, it was quite an accomplishment to do this. So what I want to just say to you in these last moments, these next few minutes, is I, I want to prod you and I want to encourage you and I, I want to kind of uh, just, just really encourage you. If your wall in your life and you've got to, to decide, I'm doing a great work. My health is work it, worth it. My marriage is work it, worth it. My parenting is worth it. My future is worth it. My kids are worth it. My grandkids, they're worth it. I'm not coming down. God has a call in my life. I'm building and I'm battling. I'm not coming down. I won't. I, I, I'm not going to stop and I can't quit. And this is where the big challenge is today. Nothing around you has changed. Nothing. While we've even been sharing this time together, nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is you. The only thing that has changed about you is something in your heart and in your mind. I want you to be settled on God has a call on my life. He has called me to build, and sometimes I have to battle to keep at it. And I can't stop, and I won't stop. I'm doing a great work for my family, with my kids. This is my focus right now. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now, you have no idea what hangs in the balance over the years ahead. Relationally, financially, in terms of impact, in terms of impact around you, in terms of impact to the city, to your country, even your impact to the whole world, if you have the confidence that God has a call in your life, that you're a part of what God's doing, you're building and you're battling, and you have that holy stubbornness, I can't stop, I won't stop. That's what hangs in the balance. God has a call on your life. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Will you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for each person. I thank you, Lord, for how you've created each person on purpose. And that, Lord, you have a call on each person's life. Help us, Lord, to be a people of God that know your word and we spend time with you. So that even when we, uh, we, and we get orders from you, that we will build and, Lord, we will battle in a fallen world. And that, Lord, you will give us the ability not only to battle, but to be unwilling, to be distracted, and to come off of the 
the assignment you have for us. Father, help us and give us wisdom to discern what this is in our life. And Lord, even in the days ahead, Lord, help us to be the people of God. And that, Lord, we would walk with you and that we would keep first things first and that, Lord, we would have a holy stubbornness. And, Lord, even as we pray from week to week, it's impossible in our own strength, but, Lord, with your help, we can do it. We can do all things through Christ, our Redeemer. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to have that holy stubbornness. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I pray this week as you go out in the days ahead that you will know that God has a call in your life. Keep building and keep battling. Don't stop. God bless you. Have a great week.